This is the GPL Podcast, part of the Pull Tab Sports family. Oh boy. You making mistakes. I love it. And so I had to train for this marathon. <laughs> Make sure you stay awake for the game tomorrow, too. Let's get this bandwagon going, folks. Take Come that, on. Me, Mr. Negative. <laughs> I think Bart must be watching upstairs. <laughs> Rut row. Oh, <laughs> awake for Thanksgiving tomorrow. Juke's roommate's worried. Juke's roommate's worried. <laughs> Juke's roommate. Now, here's Jupiter and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL podcast. Episode number 259. Well, good evening, Beagle. We're a day late this week. We tried to help people out by you know, leaving Valentine's Day open. It's probably best for, especially us men, to not schedule stuff on Valentine's Day. Yeah, I saw a bit the Big Ten Network did this week where they were asking coaches, like, what's the most expensive thing about Valentine's Day? And the coaches were like, if you forget to get something <laughs> and have to make up for it. And double down. So yeah, you're hopefully really GPL podcast. Yeah, hopefully GPL podcast. Uh being a day later helps everybody out. And uh thanks for coming with us again tonight. We kept it simple, just made a nice dinner at home. Had some, I got some flowers, of course, but just kept it simple. It's what nice. do you think? Uh what do you think Bob Motzko got Jess Myers this week? <laughs> you, you, you had to go there, didn't you? Well, they were they were Telling jokes at each other at media. This they they kind of were. They kind of were. Well, well, let's let's bring in our guest today. Drew Cove is our guest this week, and he's been here quite a few times. A couple anniversary overtimes as well. Drew, thanks How's for joining going? us again, kid. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's a it's always a great time. We've had you on since what? Night? You were nineteen, I believe. We figured. Yeah, out last I was time. probably did it in my my sophomore year apartment, right by honestly, right by yeah baseline and Ritter and everything. I was just like a stone's throw. I was probably just sitting in my tiny little, tiny little room, and uh, you know, it's uh, come a long way to another tiny little room. Only in, this one's in St. Paul. So, thanks for keeping hey, the lights on tonight. Exactly. You know, I, I've up, I've upped the lighting system a little bit over because uh, just. As over time, well, let's, like, right. let's take a look. Let's zoom in. Oh, yeah. Bukestead, that's the nice. Credentials, yep. I mean, yeah, I know I hate to well. I hate to say things that make me sound really young, but, you know, he was my – when I was in, like, elementary school, middle school, he was my favorite guy. He was my, one of my favorite players. So back in uh, – and then in high school, I said, you know what? I got to get his jersey. When he was, like, phenom for the Panthers, obviously, at the time. But... My, my hockey stuff is kind of over here in the corner, but I – it's it's an office too, so I gotta yeah. I gotta keep it uh, even keeled around the whole way. Uh, Je- uh, Viggs, you mentioned Jess, you know Jess and uh, Coach Motzko kind of going. But, well, actually, it's mostly Motzko kind of getting onto Jess a little bit this week at the media um, with how negative he's been. I guess. Well, you know, sometimes that's that's the role of the reporter is to point out issues you may see in a program. And I think this year we did have a lot of questions coming into the year with how Jimmy Snuggerud was going to perform, you know, playing with guys like Matthew Nyes and Logan Cooley, who you could watch this week on NHL games, you know, especially Logan Cooley against the wild the other night. 
it's a bit of an adjustment. And we have seen Snuggerud go through some challenges this year. You know, his he shooting, still is. Yeah, he's still going through some challenges. Uh, and then Justin Close, we had some question marks about him. I don't know why. We just don't expect to see a goalie of his stature, you know, his height, perform at a high elite level. And he's one of the 10 Richter finalists this year. And this team is proving us wrong in some spots and and still question marks for us. But, but Drew, uh, this weekend, a very successful weekend for Minnesota. It wasn't just Justin Close shutting down Penn State. It was the whole team defense doing an excellent job. Yeah, and they've come they've come an incredibly long way, and I think that was at least the biggest question mark that I thought about um, heading into the season, obviously with the big guns up front leaving, but um, obviously the three NHL guys on the back end that, that departed. So... Um, and a lot of people, I think too, that might've been some of the question marks around Justin Close saying, all right, was he just a product of, uh, just, a, a generational defense in front of him and saying, all right, he's able to make the shots that do get to him and he's not kind of going above and beyond. But I think we saw last year when he needed to go above and beyond, he did. And, uh, he's obviously proving it again this year, but, um, yeah, the team that I think the defense has been really locked down second half, um, especially it's, they've just, they've kind of turned a corner. Um, and I know. I think I was pretty critical of them early on on some of the early mistakes and the young freshman mistakes that they're obviously going to be making. But um, I think they've really settled in. And obviously, you play a team like Penn State, it's a little bit easier than Wisconsin and or Michigan State. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, you come out of a weekend with no goals against. I mean, that's it, can't do better than that. Close has done that twice. He did it to Wisconsin a couple, was it last season, the year before, or season before, Viggs? Um and now he's tied with uh, Briggs and Wilcox for 13 shutouts in a career. Yep, 13. Very lucky number to be on right now for Justin Close. And he's done it against good teams, too. I, I heard Adam Wodan on his College Hockey News podcast talking about this week. He's like, half of those shutouts are against top 10 teams. And it's not like he's getting yeah. 15, 20 shots in these games either. He's getting 25, 30, 35 shots in these games. So he's being tested. I think the biggest takeaway for me against Penn State was that is probably the best Minnesota has played at defending the crease and keeping the eyes clear for the goalie and a goalie with good rebound control, as I've seen in a decade at least. You know, mm. it had a lot of possession. They had a lot of shots, but they didn't get a lot of second chances that were dangerous. And I think a big reason for that was the defensemen were – playing their position, tying up sticks, letting Closer see the puck come into him, and Closer didn't spill anything juicy out for Penn State, which is what the Nittany Lions thrive on. And if you take that away from them, they're kind of a simple team. So otherwise, the defense, not just the defensemen, but the forwards were doing what Matsuko has been telling him to do the entire season. Just do it, and you'll be successful. This team right now is not playing dangerous hockey. They are playing winning hockey. And I think that's something we mm. haven't seen a lot at Minnesota. You try to see the Gophers outscore their opponents. You know, they can outscore their mistakes. You know, when you're winning 3 nothing, 3 nothing back-to-back, that means you're playing smart hockey. You're not taking chances. Yes. You know, you look at some of the goals that Pitlick had, that Huglin had, that's them taking advantage of the opportunities, not chasing them. I, I kind of want to get back to uh, Snuggerud here, uh, Drew. He really 
hasn't done a lot the last few weeks. He is kind of been that roller coaster. Obviously, he had that odd streak against CC, you know, in January a month ago. Yeah, wow. And now he's been quiet. Yeah, it it. I thought, especially right away, I that CC series. I said, all right, he's he's finally. I mean, he figured it out. He played against he's the best up. in the world. Where do you go? Like yep. we thought, he kind of like he. I mean, the same thing, honestly. What happened to Oliver Moore? I think just the way Oliver Moore's played, I think he's still playing at a very uh, a much higher level than he was in the first half um, of the season. And I think a guy like him and Ryan Chesley came back, and they've still played at at a pretty high and uh, just more competitive level level than they did beforehand. And it's it's interesting to see that yeah, Jimmy's kind of uh, not sustained that, um, especially since the explosion in the CC series. But um, yeah, now he's. I mean. If you would have said last year, uh, at the end of last season, if he was like the top offensive guy coming back, that he wouldn't be leading the team in points right now, um, I, I think a lot of people would have said, "Wow, I mean, maybe that's not too surprising." And maybe I mean, an Oliver Moore kind of guy would take the mantle, but Brett Pillick leads the team in points right now, and that's uh, it's it's a bit surprising, especially given the goal scoring prowess of Snuggerud. But I mean, maybe if this is a slump and this is the bottom of the roller coaster and he's he's coming back up i mean now's the time to do it uh last couple the uh, last couple weekends of the season but um they're just gonna hope he needs to be on an upswing at the right time and hopefully he can find his confidence in the next uh or, or just find that find that touch in the next two weekends um to when it obviously really 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 counts and, and vegs i've been uh and adding a lot of uh, stats and stuff to GPL recently. So I've kind of been going through each game, adding them to 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 the site. And I'm looking at it, and Snuggerud's got 150 shots this season. The next closest is Brodzinski and Pitlick with 83 and 84 shots. Um, So he's definitely getting the chances. Yeah, I was going down a rabbit hole of hockey analytics this month. And I was especially looking at the analytics of shots where the goalie sees the puck. Because I was talking about how Justin Close sees the puck, makes the save, no rebounds. That's winning hockey for Minnesota. He's so good mm -hmm. at not letting any easy goals past him. On the flip side, when you look at Jimmy Stuggerud, he is maybe forcing his shots a little too much, even when the goalie can see the puck. And so it's not high danger chance it's just Snuggerud has it and he wants to get those shots on net he's so driven he's like i've got a great shot i gotta get off i think the key for him is that there needs to be some side to side movement happening or some traffic before his shots are going to be more dangerous because if you have a quick release that only benefits you if the goalie has to move before you shoot the puck Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be a real key for Minnesota here down the stretch is finding ways to get Snuggerud pucks where the goalie has to move and Snuggerud can take advantage of his quick release. And especially on the power play, you know, Bob was talking about the power play against Penn state, kind of letting him down. He's like, you know, against Wisconsin, they, I think they got one power play or no power plays the whole weekend. And then here against Penn state two, three, you know, not very yeah. many chances to work on it. So they're not really finding their rhythm. And so I think that's going to be important for Minnesota to, to change things up a little bit. That's definitely a concern for me, uh, Drew, is our play seems to be sinking quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, at, at some point in the year, it was it was just clicking. I mean, it was at 25%, and it's like I feel like the Gophers just 
generally kind of clip at that level, um, at least from the time I've been covering them. It just mm -hmm. seems even if the team is bad, they they seem to obviously have that talent level to be be effective on the power play. But yeah, they're gonna need to they need to create movement. They need to be able to create mm. that. They need to be able to to not be so predictable that uh, teams can kind of fall into it and just get the chances at, 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 in its in its own right. I mean. Uh, I know you guys were talking about the, the the waved off goals at various points and just kind of the frustration <laughs> there. But uh, I mean, just getting the chances that they that they in capitalizing on the ones that they do they do get because they're so infrequent, uh, seemingly in the last few weeks. Uh, so uh, it it needs to come back. I mean, they need to have those game breaker guys step up. I mean, they need they they need some scoring off the rush. They need to be able to get just use their their skill to to surprise some the other teams and just to to find a way to to get the goals where they where they can because i mean it's just it's it's tough when when you set up and then it's just kind of moving around and it there's not a whole lot of movement and uh it it just doesn't end well um for the gophers it's it, at times at some of these points so um yeah they gotta they gotta have some of these guys step up i mean some of the i think uh seeing rat pitlick like we talked about a little bit before i think him his his play has been really really um really strong of late and i think being able to have his shot also make a difference um in a lot of different aspects of the game is going to be really important coming down the stretch well because they do have you know we got two guys over 30 points uh one two three four six guys with at least 20 points and connor kirst is you know one point behind jackson nelson is a couple points behind so they do seem to be fairly balanced here. And I think that's what I thought at the start of the season is this could be a team that had three lines that could all score. You know, you might have nine forwards who could get to double digit goals. We're going to be close to that. Maybe I'm not sure if they're quite going to get there, but it could be seven or eight, you know, for sure. And I think one of the things with Snuggerud is he has to realize that sometimes if the goalie's got clear eyes on his puck. He's got to get some movement or he's got to change it up and get it to somebody else and maybe get it back. You know, or maybe he, shoot just... low and help for a rebound instead of maybe trying to pick your spot. Well, I think when he's out there with Pitlick and more, you can make a possession play and get a higher percentage chance later in the shift. Because I think one of the things that makes that line so dangerous is they're so aggressive. You know, you watch Pitlick out on the ice. Uh, Mason Nevers gave away his nickname. He's the spider monkey. He is everywhere. <laughs> he is everywhere. And and he said Rhett Pitlick loves that nickname. They had t-shirts made up for it. <laughs> That's awesome. And so when you got the spider monkey on your line, you got to take advantage of that and, and get some possession, draw some power plays, get the goalie moving side to side. We need to get those shirts for the general public here. <laughs> Someone I do need to send us, I need to see need a to photo. Send us design, send it to Dinky Town Ethics, or just have us do us do it on our own. We won't make any money. Yeah, let's. That would be awesome. Gosh, but that's just incredible, though. To have, I mean, for for how well I think Red Pitlick has really emerged this year, and especially his play without the puck. I mean, the speed, the the doggedness on pucks in in just a four check scenario. Um, yeah, I love seeing, that part of his game. Like yeah. it, it's it's so much fun watching him. Uh, yeah, watching watching the other team set up in the defensive zone to say, all right. I mean, if Pitlick's on the ice, I mean, it's not 
they're going to be really scrambling and you can tell that like really quick they're like oh boy this guy's fast uh we gotta do something here and then they make a mistake um so i just I, i've loved watching him play uh i mean just just skate around because he is just so fast and it's always so to see one of the guys that like because i think the college game is just so fast generally i mean you see it just seems faster than than even at the nhl and just seeing all these just these guys that are just really 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 good skaters um take that raw skill and that raw speed and and turn it into something and and Brett Pitlick has done that it's so so cool to see that on a team that you watch uh very regularly to to be able to make a difference to be even just that little bit faster than the rest of the guys that are already incredibly fast well I, I do think the difference in Pitlick is he's had that speed all his career but I think he's just a little bit stronger heavier that he's able to make plays through contact significantly better than he's had in the past and that ability to play at that speed with that physical play makes all the difference he still drives me crazy because of some of his offensive zone entry <laughs> and i will text you this i'm like what is he doing it's so I, I love the kid. He's great. I love what he's brought this year. But Vigil, some of the passes, Vigil, the passes, you'll be out doing something. You'll yeah. be. I'm making dinner. I haven't had chess watch the game yet, and he's. And you just know what's coming for me. I know what's coming. It's the passes backward. You know the yes. south passes when he's driving and he throws the puck back to someone that he thinks is there, but just doesn't see the the plays in front of him where he's got good eye contact mm -hmm. and vision on. He's good with it's just some of the stuff anticipating what's going on behind him doesn't always work well for red so if he's a podcast listener you know keep it going north you know we're a true north team here yeah it seems like some of that type of uh stuff that i've noticed with oliver Moore too and even when he was at the i mean even at world juniors just seeing not not necessarily like just south passes but just the kind of stuff where it's like boy, you were like three steps ahead of everybody else and they couldn't even catch up like to where you were going to be. And like, I remember in World Juniors, he like over, he, he overskated, he fanned a shot, he overskated it and just kind of watched it, like expecting the defender would be in to close on it. And then it came to be, I can't remember, it was a goal the other way because it was an odd man rush, but it was like, ah, oh, man, because it's just like he he knew what needed to happen. It's just like nobody else was on the same page at the right time. But it's like, I can, you can tell like he's got, he's he's got the, the IQ for he's got the he's got the the head for it and he knows what he's what should be happening and what he can make happen. It's just the the rest of the team kind of being all on that same step that he is because he might be at step seven or eight and the rest of the team is still just getting past step three or four and catching up with it. So it's it is interesting interesting to see all those guys kind of on the same line <laughs> some of the time to say all right what are they going to do with it? Are they going to be magicians or is it going to end in a, a couple of turnovers and then back to the bench? And that actually brings me back to something that you talked about earlier this season with Oliver Moore Viggs and some of the things he needs to do. But before we get to that, we need to get to one of our sponsors, and it's Duke Cannon. Jake Middleton here, Director of Hair and Hygiene for the Minnesota Wild. How did I get this important role with the team, you ask? I'd like to think it was because of hard work, but the truth is, I run hot. Yep, I'm a sweater. <laughs> In my role as Director of Hair and Hygiene, I'm sort of like a player coach. Let me pull out the grease board here. Well, it's not actually a grease board, because there is nothing dirty about Duke Cannon. How do I help the guys stay squeaky clean? 
helpful reminders. It's simple. Tarp saw, do can and on. Say it with me. Tarp saw, do can and on. Tarp saw, do can and on. Pick the scent that suits you. Sawtooth. Thick body wash. Extra thick. And my favorite, Midnight Swim. Tarp saw, do can and on. Do Cannon. Work harder, smell better. And of course, we thank Duke Cannon for being one of our sponsors. Love our hair. Love our hair. But also one of our sponsors is Cub Foods, Vegs. Cub Foods. Cubs love sports. They love PJ Flex headset. They love the Wild on 7th podcast. They sponsor the Pull Tab Sports broadcast studios. And uh, they're in your hometown. They've got everything you need for pickup delivery if you're looking to eat healthy they've got great produce if you're looking to maybe spoil yourself with some pale ales or thc seltzers they've got a bit cub wine and the spirits so everything you need one of us they're awesome cub love me some cub definitely love me some cub let's bring drew back in here so as i teased before the commercial break there vegs one thing you talked about this earlier this season on the podcast Oliver Moore, he's got one speed. It's fast. It's great. I want to see him change it up a little bit. I think he's done quite a bit of that since uh, he came back from the World Juniors. Well, I think during the World Juniors, he kind of had some good reinforcement that you're just not faster than everybody, and you have Mm -hmm. to find ways to make more plays and create those high-danger chances. You know, if you're just coming down the wing and the goalie sees you coming and you take a shot, most goalies at your level are going to make those saves. So he's learned you got to have a few more tricks in the bag, and he's working well with Snuggerud and Pitlick. You know, that's probably Minnesota's most dangerous line because they've got great speed, they've got great skill, they're hard defensively, they're fast in transition, and they're aggressive getting second chances when they do get offensive zone time. So it, he's he's really developed over this season, and he's a much better player now than he was at the start. What what do you think there, Drew? Um, his passing is still amazing at times. <laughs> no, I mean it's the same. I mean same similar kind of stuff. Just from like the start of this, you could tell in the first half he had some immediate success in the first few weekends. I think flashes and up. yeah, and uh, it. It definitely tailed off. I think once they got to more Big Ten talent, they got to he got to face bigger, heavier teams. Um, obviously, some of the teams that are ranked in the in the in the top echelon of the country right now, um, and have been for a while. Um, and I think, yeah, he he realized that. Wow, I I've dominated at every level I've ever played at, doing what I do, and now it all of a sudden doesn't work all the time. And I think it, he definitely kind of hit a wall there for a little bit because he's like, all right, yeah, my speed and my shot, but it's not always going to happen because obviously as a freshman, he's going to be a little smaller. Um, he hasn't had that time to, uh, like you mentioned, Viggs about uh, Rhett Pitlick, just kind of get better at being physical over like a couple of years. Like th- That takes time. And um, who knows if he's going to act, if that that is going to be realized at the college level. But uh, um, I think he figured it out quickly after the World Juniors, like you said, just kind of realizing that, wow, yeah, here is here are some of these other guys that are pivoting and making, and they are the best at their level, just like I am. But 
they're adjusting to their circumstances. And I know, I, I think PJ Fleck that likes to say, you can't let uh, the circumstances dictate your behavior. But um, at, in this case, it does have to happen for Oliver Moore because he's, it, you've got to, you've got to find ways to be successful at this level. If you want to really prepare to get better at the very next level, because it's, it's not going to get easier at the NHL. Uh, and I know that for sure. Yeah. So <laughs> not the, not saying I played the game and I know a lot of people might <laughs> say, you know what, you didn't play the game. So you, you don't know, but um college hockey's hard but uh obviously levels beyond this are a lot tougher and, and it's good that it's good that he's figuring it out i think in the second half he's he's figuring out ways to be um to to still make an impact and still make a positive impact and uh and and kind of find his way around uh some of the other things he's kind of finding finding his other pitches so to speak Oh, there's one thing I wanted to discuss about the Penn State series, Vigs. Uh, Friday night, um, I think that defensive piece came together the most. Uh, Huglin and Fish both take penalties at the same time. Huglin a two-minute, Fish a five-minute. They've got to kill five on three for two minutes. They get it done. The crowd's getting into it. They're doing an excellent job. They're keeping Penn State to the outside. Very few chances at early. Hugan comes out. Nelson goes back in. So now they've got not quite full two minutes, but like uh, 140. A long time. And, you know, close did end up coming up big. But that just seemed like such a catalyst for this team. Because when that first happened, I'm like, oh, here we go. Here we go. This is not good. And they just shut them down. And I think... That could be a very – it wasn't just a big turning point for the game. That could be a turning point for the season. But how they just shut them down, an offensive team, in that whole scenario? Well, definitely give me a weekend changer. You know, yeah. if you if you have a bad stretch in one game, just like the Michigan State game, you know, where they gave it away in the third period, that changes your entire perspective on the weekend. You know, go, you go from such a high to such a uh, – we gave something away mm-hmm. and now they have something that they can rally around. And one of the things that's impressed me about Justin close and this especially stands out when the Gophers are shorthanded is he does a pre-scout of the opposing team's power plays. And he has a really good idea of what they're trying to do. And he excels at reading the play and getting his eyes on shots really quickly. And some people say, Oh, that's a great athletic save. It's a great read. And that's what makes Justin Close one of the top college hockey goaltenders is he knows what to look for and what's important to scout and what's important to anticipate. And that stretch of hockey, that's not just him reacting. That's him going through his brain going, what are they trying to do and how can I beat them there? And that's what he executed so well. And now Close is a top 10 finalist for the Richter Road Award, Drew. Yeah, it it his his positioning has been, I think just watching some of the Penn state series, just seeing his positioning. And like you mentioned, because like, he's just, he knows where he's going to be. He's planned out where he's going to be for that type of situation. And he just is, it's, it's amazing how much wasted effort or how little wasted effort he Mm kind of puts in to, to making his saves. Um, And that's, that's the sign of, I mean, 
like just like we you talked about winning hockey and not chaotic hockey you can be chaotic and i think we saw it with liam soulier a couple a couple of times where there are odd man rushes and you're darting across and he ends up in the corner when the net scored and when, when like the net's just wide open and uh you see the celebration happen and he skates around by it's like oh how'd you end up in the corner so he's just kind of like diving around and obviously it's kind of tough to prepare for some of minnesota's top offensive players on a two-on-one but i mean I think just in close, you can you you saw there what makes uh, a really elite uh, college goalie, um, and just kind of the the dichotomy between the two. Not trying to say Louis Soulier is just absolute garbage, but I'm trying to say that that <laughs> just in close really uh, it, it looked like night and day. I think in in that series and just seeing how how good he's been, and obviously you guys have talked about it. We've talked about it. Just how you know how he came from out of nowhere to be the guy, and now he's he's. You went from, all right, here's the guy who's just going to have to do it. And now, all right, he's the beneficiary of a really good defense. And now he's uh, kept the team in it in a, in a pretty decent pairwise position uh, through, over, through this season uh, with, with a defense that was definitely in flux at the start of the year and has obviously gotten better. But um, he's, he's really proving he belongs in that, uh, in that, in that top category of uh, college goalies. And I think one of the things about closer as well is he's mentally tough enough when if he lets in a squeaker that he should have got, Moscow's not afraid to say, yeah, he'd like that one back. And just in the same way, I'd like that one back. But that happens so rarely to him that it's not a big deal because he makes the saves that he's expected to make. He gives the defense confidence to take away passes across the middle and just let him see the shooter and take the shot. And as a team, when you have that kind of confidence in your goalie, you can play a very sound system in front of them. And I think that's what Gopher fans are seeing right now. I think he only gets scolded kind of really once. It might have been at Penn State when he was playing the puck behind the net and setting them up for goals. And oh, maybe it was Ohio. It was, I might have been Ohio State, actually. He was setting them up for goals. Because you could hear the mics. The, the mics at Ohio State were like, right. They're <laughs> like right on the bench. The puck. It was like it was like the coaches had lapel mics for that one. <laughs> well, we have want to know questions. what Steve Miller sounds like during a game. Oh. Listen to that Ohio State game. He's oh loud. boy, yeah, he he's loud. he's loud regardless. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he is. You can hear him on big broadcast too. So, so we had some questions come in right before the podcast here. You know, I just threw it out for people, and I've got uh, Denny Gopher here. He's asking, did the new ice sheets solve the net issues on the Zamboni side of the rink? Were the old pegs enshrined, or did Craig Floor keep them for himself? I think this whole problem was just solve it. The whole floor was redone, and everything was new. Yeah, because the pegs weren't aligned quite right there, and they had to kind of just like MacGyver them to, to get them to work. You know, they've got a whole new concrete floor there. Everything's perfect for this setup. And, uh, you know, I'd like to get Portillo back in there or uh, Tommy Napier, Tommy Napier. I'd like yep. to see him out there. That was Jupe's favorite. I always remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because those guys were treating the net like a squat rack. So we haven't seen really a goalie like that this year. And we really haven't seen the goals knocked off at all like, unless somebody ran into them this year. Right. And that's when they're supposed to come off. That is true. So. There you go, Denny. Um, next question. Vonner wants to know, what's the over-under on close consecutive shutout minutes? Currently at 174 minutes and six seconds. What do you think, Drew? Is that pretty good? Is 176? Is that 174? I, 
I think it's all right, actually. I don't know. That's the, but yeah. I I don't know. I mean, it. I think it'll be more difficult against uh, Notre Dame. I think. Um, obviously, I think over the years they've gained a reputation that uh, yeah, that Jeff Jackson is pushed back on at times for being a very defensive uh, oriented, uh, um, or almost just like a defensive. Uh, no, no, no depth to them at all. No, no other dimensions other than defense. Um, but I do think uh, I do think Notre Dame will score at least once this weekend. Um, and so whether that happens Friday is a Saturday's game, I don't know. But uh, I mean, if if he's on a heater, he's on a heater. I mean, you got to get the hot goalie at the right time. And that's um, I think I've a lot of everyone's talked about it over the years. Just you got to have your goalie being hot at the right time and into the playoffs and into the end of the regular season. And, you know, that's how, that's how you, that's how you make up for, uh, you know, a, a maybe lackluster game in a tournament time to say, all right, your goalie can get you out of it and kind of make or break as a game. And you know what he, if he, if he can do that, if he can do that this weekend and continue this hot streak, then uh, the Gophers have a have a pretty decent shot, uh, I'd say, to 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 make some noise in the tournament. I see another question here from somebody watching live. Tim Hapke, we'll give this to you, Biggs. Will Barda Skavich, Bardo make it back to campus, or has his year in juniors killed it? I think it's going to make him a lot further away from getting starting opportunities at Minnesota. He's a goalie that they like, and he did them a favor by coming to campus. It sounds like Nathan Airy is that goalie that they want to play next year. Uh And he, he looks impressive when you watch him, who knows what his mental uh, fortitude will be like when there are bad games. Cause that's something we learned about Justin close after he took the net. You never really know that with goalies, but he played that, 4,000 minutes of junior hockey. So the coaching staff saw that and said, this is a guy we want to bring in. So when Bardo comes, if he comes, you're not trying to lean on him to be a heavy minutes guy. You're leaning on him to be a, a, you know, a guy to bring out of the bullpen maybe, or give some competition. Certainly doesn't help that he went down to the NHL. And now I think his first game, he didn't have a great game either. So he's got some work to do. I, I noticed his dad still like retweets some of GPL's tweets once in a while. Well, I think Bardo's still uh, dating a, a Gopher women's player, you know, so he, he really probably wants to come back here to Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, this is a results oriented business, though. It's not, it's not, it is. it's not friends on the playground. So the coaching staff has to do what they see best. And, you know, they have got late commits at goalie before, and you want a goalie with lots of experience. We'll see what happens. All right, let's throw this one at you, Drew. Zuzu wants to know on Twitter, initially, initial NCAA thoughts, number two seed. They go on a run, maybe find themselves a low number one. I think that's a little difficult, but yeah. uh, two seed, what are your initial thoughts right now? Yeah, I mean, I was reading that question earlier, and I was tr- I was taking a look at the pairwise, seeing what was going on, and obviously they're number eight right now. And uh, I mean, that to me, it seems like they're, unless things fall apart, they'll be a two, but... And whoever knows whatever gymnastics they do to get pe- get certain play certain matchups or certain uh, teams and whatever mm-hmm. regionals, but I think a one is almost a. I mean, I don't think beating Notre Dame. Uh, what are they, they weren't even they just received votes this week. I think right. So, but I I don't think beating Notre Dame. Uh, 
even sweeping Notre Dame and beating Michigan. I mean, Michigan's on the verge of not making the tournament right now. I don't think they would, right? Like they they're fourteenth or something like that. And there's enough uh, enough automatic qualifiers that are just not gonna that are gonna bump them out. But um, yeah, it, it I, I don't think beating Notre Dame and Michigan would necessarily solidify any any major improvement for the Gophers um, because I don't think they jumped up. They didn't jump up super significantly thanks to the the Wisconsin and Michigan State series, and those are the, probably the two most important that they played um, the last two, just because they actually looked they looked a bit more prepared for them this time around um, when they when they actually had a little bit more body work to go off of from them. But yeah, I don't I think they're kind of stuck in this in this two seed. But I think a few weeks ago we would have said maybe they would have been. It would have been more bubble-like and uh, three-seed-worthy. So I think they're in a good position right now. But, yeah, one seed seems uh, definitely seems out of reach right now. Hold on for that one, Viggs. I just had a quick follow-up on that, Viggs. Um, really, I think if they have a chance to get to a number one seed, they really have to go to Madison you know, in a semifinal matchup and then go to Michigan State probably mm-hmm. to bump that up and get victories there and win the Big Ten tournament. Really? Yeah, I mean, uh, CHN put out their pairwise probability matrix, which is always mm-hmm. fun to see. They do the Monte Carlo situation simulations deal. And I think it puts Minnesota at like a 9% chance of getting one of those top four seeds. Mm-hmm. So it's small. It probably involves them doing a lot of stuff like winning hockey games. I mean, winning every game out. here on out. Because yeah. I, I think the top Big Ten team will be at least a four. Yeah, you got it for the for the best team in college for the best conference in college hockey. I think that's the it's only it's only right it's only right and just at that point. (laughs) So Tim Haskey asking if Jess is traveling to South Bend. He hasn't made as many trips this year. Well, I do know that Jess has been covering the Big Ten as a whole this year, so he's Mm -hmm. had to give attention to some other schools. So he's not just following the Gophers on the road every weekend. I know he's been covering St. Thomas hockey quite a bit this season as well. He and Rico he's down like a Davis can't watch doing high school hockey. Yeah, so he's he's expanded his coverage. He's not solely doing the Gophers this year, but I do not know. As like I said earlier in the podcast, little under the weather this week. You know, wanted to keep it away from the team for for all of you. All right. Of course, I have to bring this with Darren Bach and asking favorite Gopher hockey jersey, Drew. Ooh. Um... I prepared this for a podcast we actually never recorded like two years ago. Um, but there's the, I mean, the ones from like the 20s to the 40s, I really like. If you go on Vintage MN Hockey, uh, yeah. Kyle keeps a great site. Um, you guys should go check it out because there's a bunch of cool stuff over there. They, um, they are a former sponsor here, too. Yeah. I, uh, all right. I mean, stuff. you guys have, you, great stuff. yeah, yeah. And I, I, not to mention, I do not to be a, a you know a shill for, for your guys' podcast, but I love the I love the the, the commercials, the sponsorship. These are this is great stuff. I love I like the Duke Cannon commercial. That's awesome. I haven't bought Duke Cannon before, but I'm going to now. So, uh, <laughs> Duke's got Duke it right there. There we go. <laughs> Rocking the flow. I don't have yeah. See, oh, my, my hair is way too long right now, so I don't serious flow. Serious flow. All right, Matt. Matt, All right. check that out. Good I'll have you. to pick it up, but um, back to the jerseys. Uh, anything I think from the twenties, there was that. There was like one that was like a mustard gold, and it just had like 
Minnesota mm-hmm. straight across the chest with like a maroon stripe on it. I think that'd be cool if they could revive like a version of that. Um, just to try something out and be have something be different. I don't know. Um, but obviously it, the ones that they brought back get those looks though, because those looks were part of it was the fabric and it like it yeah. was wool and it was heavy. Like really thick. It looked great, but not great for playing hockey in these days. Yeah. I mean, I love the ones that they uh I didn't they bring them back for like the opening season at the the new arena, the uh like almost the barbecue kind of ones. Okay, that's what they're called. The bumblebee but, uh, ones, yep. Those ones are cool. I love those ones. And they obviously had a lot of staying power through like the thirties, forties and like into the fifties a little bit, I think. So um, I think those are just that when I think of like go for hockey, I think of like that's the jersey. But as selfishly as someone who like grew up watching the team around this time, the ones that in like from 2006 to like 2018, those are just like the classic ones to me, which is pretty simple, pretty straightforward. I think those are just that that's kind of and they were around so long. That's just kind of what makes me think of uh, when I when I think of a go for hockey jersey, I really think of the the home whites from whatever the basically end of Blake Wheeler to end of Sammy Walker. So Ooh, Blake Wheeler anyway, got man. injured tonight. Didn't look good, by the way. Ooh. So. Yeah. Leg what about you underneath. guys? Uh, I was going to ask you, Vegas, what's, what's your favorite? I really like that old, deep maroon, like Herb Brooks with the gophers across and like the old, old gopher, like the, like the, like the, prairie gopher kind of look it's kind of up like, like this yeah, yeah like the one they brought back for the hockey city classic in chicago yeah i really yeah. like that one uh justin close actually has that really really old gopher on his helmet right now and then the other one i liked is the one like they did for the outdoor game at tcf you know with the gold gold with the minnesota over the top and the number in the middle and just the bars on the sleeve i think that's a good clean look mm-hmm. um I do like the old gopher script thing that they have going now with the, you know, the cursive kind of, I think that's a cool script. So trying to incorporate that. When it kind of curved, you know, you, we were talking about that via text a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I like that kind of arch curve to it too. So finding ways to, to put that, I think that could be cool with that script, like on a sleeve or a shoulder, mm-hmm. you know, they've got that vintage skating Goldie yeah. on the oh, third, so... but I think having that gopher script somewhere would be neat yeah. too. The men need to take more pages from the women's book on the jersey design because the women have had great jerseys for years, yeah, years, and they look. The budget so good. is tough. The budget's yeah. tough, the budget Drew. Things. I mean, uh, the Gopher men's team goes through about four times as many sticks, so that's a that's a big part of the equipment. Yeah, budget. that's true. And, and they they can only get jerseys every so many years, whereas yeah. the women can get jerseys more often. Vegs. Well, their budget's different. Yeah. Because Minnesota spends their budget on so many different things, like sticks. You know, I mean that that number probably went down when Vinny Letary turned pro. But <laughs> you got the joke before I could get to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would help if all the players were using a certain stick and they could get contracts. It would be a lot cheaper, but that's just not reality. So, I would say one of my favorite ones actually right now is their current white. It does have a very retro look to it, late 80s to early 90s, when they still kind of wore those mesh jerseys that had the, the mesh fabric. So when I look at it, it looks I have that's the first jersey I ever got with one of those mesh M jerseys. So it reminds me of that. And and I see Snuggerud wearing that. And I think of his dad right away because his dad wore a jersey very similar to it. So I'm I'm 
I don't know if it's my all-time favorite, but I really like in the new whites and the new maroons are not great. And obviously the golds are great as well. The mm-hmm. golds have become very popular and, uh-huh. and they're undefeated in them, Biggs. Yeah, we might see them a lot down the stretch here when they Boy, can they wear look them. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I like this year's set. I think it's a good clean set yeah. this year. So nice job to whoever put those together. Wish they ordered twice as many. Mm, don't get us started. Oh, I saw a question here from John Reynolds. Your opinions, Pino versus Strobel on the fourth line. Go, Drew. <laughs> See, I was I think I was really hard on Pino at the start of the year because I think he looked he looked like a passenger on a lot of on a lot of on a lot of his just appearances on the ice. He looked like he was like a little bit weak on pucks, like on the wall, especially, but, um, and I really like Strobel coming into this year. Cause I just like his energy and his, like, just the way it seems like he goes about himself is that it seems like a guy that you want, like on the ice and a guy who loves beat playing for the Gophers. Um, and not to, obviously not to say that Pino doesn't like doing the same thing. It's just the way that Strobel expresses himself doing it. It just made me think, I'm like, all right, I want to give this guy a shot, but I think, I think Pino's made really good strides um, in in his in the time he has been playing, um, and obviously Strobel's shown flashes. But uh, I mean, it's hard to it's hard when you have a guy like Jimmy Clark come in and I think play really well and and take up one of those spots that wasn't really necessarily um, it wasn't supposed to jump up that uh, into the line chart like that. To obviously he, they needed needed a guy to to fill a spot, but um, I think he's done really well. But I. I think I think Pino gets it now. I think at the start of the year I might not have said it, but I think uh, I think I like that a little bit better than Strobel right now. Let me just say the GPL message board vegs, they love Pino. They do not love sarcasm, Pino. people. It's sarcasm. Sarcasm, definitely. They are mean to him. <laughs> They're very mean to him. And I actually feel like since he's got his cage rattled here with Strobel getting a little more ice time. Pino's responded with some more engaging play. I agree 100% with Drew earlier in the season. He was like a passenger on his line during play. And I think he just didn't have a whole lot of confidence going on. We've seen more engaged play from him lately. And I would like Charlie Strobel to get more run. I think he adds an element to the roster that is missing and can be very effective in the role of asking him to play. Yeah, but I've also seen him make some minus plays out there. You know, in my mind, I try to chart, you know, positive and minuses for those two players specifically because it's a hot button issue for a lot of people on the message boards. And, you know, Strobel's not 100% consistent out there. And so that's something the coaches need out of that fourth line is consistency and don't get your team in trouble. And I think we're still kind of feeling out how those players can fill that role. I don't think it's as clear cut as our message board would like it to be. Definitely. Definitely. We'll have to wait and see, you know, he could turn out to be a hero and then we'll see all those people just kind of have to swallow it. But, uh, we need to hit up our, our sponsors a couple more times here. So next up, Will Anderson insurance, a former gopher, former gopher. So he's a hockey guy. You can trust him. Close your eyes and think of your insurance agent. Who is it? Someone you used to know decades ago in high school, friend of a friend, an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend. Now ask yourself, what has your insurance person done for you lately? Are they saving you money? Will they answer the phone when you call? Do you even know their number? Better yet, reach out to our sponsor, Will Anderson Insurance. Simply put, Will insures you the same way he'd insure his own family. 
While we can't promise he'll save you money, let's just say you sure should get a quote. Call 612-361-7283 or visit willandersonagency.com. And we thank Will Anderson Agency for being a sponsor of the podcast, but also another sponsor is Yoakum Real Estate Group, Vigs. If you're in the market to buy or sell a house, tis the season. It's a little known fact that Super Bowl Sunday here in the Midwest is the official trigger point to list your home or start looking. And if you watch the Super Bowl this weekend, it was a fun one. I was on uh, Team Chiefs, Team Kelsey. It was fun to watch. <laughs> Great game. And if you're going to the market, whether you're buying or selling, don't roll the dice on your biggest asset. Sarah and Jody are living proof that sometimes the best one-stop shop is two experts working for you. Your home is your biggest asset. Think twice and call the twins at Yoakum Real Estate. Visit yoakumrealestategroup.com for more info. All right. And of course, we thank Yoakum and Will Anderson for being sponsors of the GPL podcast. Let's bring Drew. Drew back in. Would you have opted to kick off in overtime or receive in overtime? Oh. Um, boy. And this is going to be a little embarrassing, but I did not watch the second half of the of the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think I've heard enough of this controversy where I I don't know. I I feel like I'd want the ball. I'd want the ball right away in overtime. Just to say, all right, let's go on. If we, if we can, let's go on offense. Let's get the points. Let's do what we can, and either you know win win the game if possible, or I mean, if anything, just stave it off and like just hope the defense can hold um, to whatever they need to. Just kind of a more known quantity, but I think I would have received. Okay, and one other flip side question: more of a hockey person, do you want to shoot first or shoot second in a hockey shootout? Ooh. Um. <laughs> Am I the Gophers or am I any other team? <laughs> Let's just say you're the Wild. Okay. <laughs> um. See, I'd I'd say shoot second, and I I don't I, like that's just maybe it's just because I've seen every home team ever decide they want to shoot second, especially in the NHL. But I don't know. I want I want to be able to react and say, all right, if I need if I need the one goal. To, to win it to clinch it at the very end of the three and that's 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 what I want to be able to do so um I don't know I like the walk-off nature of it so I so I think your answer exposes your hockey expertise because essentially if you kick off or you go second in the shootout you know what you have to do mm -hmm. and that's the advantage mm -hmm. of going that second so I think all right you know maybe true but how many of those players football? knew the rules had changed for playoffs? I think they were. I didn't even during realize their, that they were asleep during their team meeting, Jube. Because I didn't know that until they started talking about it. I'm like, oh, here, here's the rules. I was explaining to Barb, and then they're like, like, no, if you score a touchdown, you still get the ball back. I'm like, that was new to me. Yeah, Super Bowl, and maybe the maybe the coach didn't tell his players. If he did, he should go out. That you win, you do this. I don't know. Maybe they should do that before the shootout with the Gophers if they get in one. See that that's why that's why I was hoping so hard that Carl Fish was gonna get the goal in the in that breakaway scenario, just to say, all right, they can score in a like a one on nothing scenario. And and like even defensive physical defenseman Carl Fish can do it. Then you know what? And, Anything is possible. And Fish gets the puck coming off the five minute kill last week. Yep. 
he scores there, the the roof comes off the place because like, it was already very loud at Mariucci. Like I was telling Nate Wells this week uh, on our podcast, I was I was we were saying, you know what, St. Paul might never have recovered uh, after <laughs> that. We there the parade would have been thrown. We would have said, you know what, this is it's it's officially Carl Fish weekend in St. Paul. Uh, we would have thrown a parade, uh, just right right in front of uh, right in front of the old high school arena, and uh, it would have been would have been a great time. All right, Big, let's quickly get into Notre Dame this weekend. Both games on Peacock. You need to pay for the subscription. Pay the $5.99 for one month, Vigs. It's well worth it. We're pushing. You and I have been pushing streaming all year. We're going to keep pushing it. If you were smart, you would have got it a couple weeks ago for the Michigan Yeah, State you could have watched some other stuff. But like mm-hmm. you said, we were talking the pregame. You know, Oppenheimer's coming on Peacock. So maybe buy, buy Peacock for $5.99 for one month. Watch Oppenheimer later this weekend, you know, in between the Friday game and Saturday game or something like that. But Jeff Jackson teams typically have been so well defensive. But uh, as you mentioned earlier this season, they're not quite the same style as they have been past three, four, five years. Yeah, as I've been looking at their season for them, it's one where they just don't have the structure that you'd expect. And I thought for a while it might have been because Jeff Jackson was trying to change his style. I'm now starting to come to the realization it could be because he's got so many freshmen and graduate players on the team, and it's just not working for them. Opposite ends of the spectrum there, yeah. Yeah, and they just can't play with the discipline that they're used to, so they're having to kind of think on the fly. So while this Notre Dame team is known for getting in rock fights, they're going to do some dumb stuff too. And so I think this is a weekend for Minnesota where they just have to stay out of the trouble and let the game come to them and take advantage because Minnesota has shown that they can play that style and it works for them. So just don't get away from it. So Drew, it's like wait and then pounce. It sounds like according to Vigo. Yeah. I mean, at some point they're a little bit of a, an irresponsible run and gun style. Like they're going to have, you're going to have rebounds. You're going to have play kind of quickly turning the other way. And I think the Gophers have the talent and they have, they have the ability uh, to turn it the other way and to, you know, turn something into an odd man rush the other way and take advantage. Obviously, um, I think Ryan Bischel is uh, certainly uh, a force, I think, as a, as a goalie in the Big Ten and uh, in, in the country. But it's it, the Gophers have the talent, uh, and he's, I think he's just a little... Uh, Justin Close is a little bit better on 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 the Gophers' end uh, from from that perspective, but I think they yeah they just got to be able to take advantage of uh, of broken plays going the other way and and to kind of capitalize on those on, on those mistakes. I feel like I need to get Frank Mazzacco to do a stat breakdown on Ryan Bischel against Minnesota over his career because I see all the accolades that Bischel gets nationally. And I've heard people say, you know, he should be a Big Ten goal of the year back to back to back. And I just, I never really truly see it. And maybe it's just because I see him against Minnesota and I typically watch Notre Dame against Michigan too. So I'm just seeing him against these high flying teams, but I just, I don't always see it why he's so highly touted. So I, I thought for a long time it was Notre Dame structure. I don't know. He's got decent numbers this year too. So I'll, I will also be watching how he plays this weekend. Well, if you, if, if you guys are not following the Gopher Game Notes Twitter account, you need to be doing it because the person behind it has so much data. And funny you asked that, Viggs, as one of his tweets earlier today, 
Uh, between the pipes, Medina native Ryan Bischel has a career mark of three, six, and one with a 2.71 goals against average and a 0.911 save percentage against the Gophers. Um, so that is definitely not uh, goalie of the year material when he plays the Gophers, Vegas. I feel like I know I have to pull up his career numbers just to see how they compare. <laughs> just because he's he's very highly touted. Um, uh, he definitely is, but you know, you, you like vamp for Minnesota. Minnesota has done well against him, and uh, or decent, I would say, against him. Yeah, they're definitely motivated against him to play well. Plus, you know, I, I think ever since the what was the Sheehy penalty in the, in the Big Ten playoffs, Minnesota has played pretty well there, Drew. Yeah, it's it's was that Sheehy or Novak? I think it was Sheehy. Sheehy got the penalty. I think I mean, Sheehy got the pe- the trip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tri- Were they both on the ice then too? That sounds really like. Well, like yeah, yeah, Novak would have been there around that time. Yeah, I remember. huh? But I mean, ever since then, they've actually done pretty well at Notre Dame. Drew. Yeah, and there, I feel like in my head too, there are some plate. Like I still think like Penn State is just this this uber scary castle on the hill for the Gophers, and you know what? They actually haven't been. They it hasn't been the end of the world for them at times late in the last few years. So, um, and obviously when. I, I always think back to the, like the five straight games that they lost there, um, right at the end of, of Don's tenure, and I was and I just I'm always like, man, that's like the how the Gophers might never win at Penn State ever again, and and it, they obviously they they change that tides, and it's it's kind of hard to break those those feelings because yeah, I just remember like especially right when Notre Dame came into the conference and it was like very very dominant for them, and I think the Gophers have since. Even the playing field, at least a little bit, because obviously it's different animal playing against classic Notre Dame style hockey. Uh, not to anger Jeff Jackson, but classic Notre Dame style hockey the Gophers have struggled against in the past. So, so what do you think, Viggs? What does Minnesota need to do? I mean, you you talked about patience. Uh, what do they need to do to get uh, have a successful weekend? Well, I think the successful weekend for Minnesota is improving on some of the things we're worried about. Get on the power play by possessing the puck in the offensive zone, drawing some penalties, and and getting to work on that in game situations. I think that's really important for Minnesota. Um, I'd like to see Jimmy Snuggerud find more ways to use his shot, especially situations where the puck's moving side to side. You can't just come down, run a nine route with the puck, and fire it and expect to score all the time. That's not a high percentage chance even for a guy like Snuggerud. So find ways to change angles, use traffic. That's important to me. I want to continue to see this battle between Pino and Strobel for playing time. I think Bob's kind of committed to, to letting those guys each get some chances. Uh, we'll see who's going to be more consistent. And then finally, uh, I want to see Cal Thomas back in the lineup. You know, He got nicked up a little bit this last weekend. Bob said he's going to be fine in practice this week. Uh, availability said he should be good to go this weekend. Let's see him on the ice. What do you think, Drew? Um, man, I think I do want to see Justin Close continue uh, the the play the the level of play he's been at. I want to see mm-hmm. just kind of him and the defense remain as cohesive as possible against yeah what will be uh, probably a relatively chaotic uh, Notre Dame attack. Just 
given it's like going to be it'll be unstructured at times it might not be all what they expect it might not all be what they're it's drawn up to be and because like you said just how how planned out and methodical that justin close is in terms of his preparation for a team a team that might be able that might forget their own preparation at times might throw him off um so i want to see how he deals with that and how the defense and him kind of uh work that relationship together because obviously that trust level uh, goes a long way and being built over the year over the course of the season but um i just want to see though that group still um remain effective and obviously with landon slagger um being he's still one of the better one of the better scorers in the big 10 and they gotta they gotta watch out for him so um i think i'm mainly just watching back end i want to see how 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 tight the gophers stay uh through this whole weekend and see what uh see what the offense can get on the other side just what take advantage of the chances they can get and if they can get on the power play just uh keep it moving keep it moving and see see what see what they can do and uh hopefully uh, restore some confidence in that and you know if it goes to a shootout i'd love to see if they can score one i'd love it that'd be, that'd that, be i think that was the last time they actually won a shootout was against notre dame and uh, huh. uh four years ago um, who, who got so- that who got that goal Jupe? Brennan McManus. Mm-hmm. That's a while ago, folks. Gosh. So, Cora, Mr. Cove points this weekend for how is it distributed? Boy. I, I, I'm i wary about saying about about going, I think, the way you're going to go, Jupe. But I, I do think, I think it could be a sweep. I think it could. So... Um, I think they could get all six. Um, I mean, if it does end up in like OT and they get, you know, they get four or five. So I don't know. It's, it, it could, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I do think the Gophers get a majority of the points. Um, I think the way that they played against uh, the last three weekends, I guess, is just, is they've shown that they're, they, they're, they, they can consistently play against the, against the really good teams and they can uh, dominate the teams that they really should be dominating at this point in the year. If they want to be considered, um, one of the upper echelon teams. So I think they could easily get a sweep. Um, it's just a matter of if they if they execute properly and they don't let uh, they don't let uh, the uh, the frantic um, the frantic aspect of Notre Dame uh, to kind of burn them at times. Well, I'm thinking that they have turned the corner, and like Viggs is saying, their structure is much better. I think that's going to lead to a sweep this weekend. I've been calling a lot of splits actually lately, so I'm going with a sweep. Six points. Go big or go home for this weekend for me. Viggs? I think the over-under for closer shutout streak should be 234.06, which would give him another zero on Friday night. And then we'll see what happens Saturday. Okay. I really? I think this team is in a position to to continue that shutout streak, get close to the record, and six points are what I expect. So sweep across the board tonight. Wow, nice! It's been a while since we've had that. Let's go! Wow, Micheletti would love your positivity, Viggs. <laughs> but we know he's yeah. already asleep. Oh my gosh! Well, thanks for coming on, Drew. It's been great to have you. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's been a it's been a great time. I do want to shout out too. Uh, it's my parents' twenty seventh wedding anniversary today. They've now been married to each other 
for half of their lives. So they they're nice. So that's Bukestad uh, anniversary. Yep, exactly, exactly. That's that's yeah, exactly why I, like I put that. that up there. I did not, but that's uh, it's a okay. But uh, very happy anniversary to my parents. So it's uh, it's very yeah. I wouldn't be here without them. So you know. Well, I don't think you would be. <laughs> no, I very much would not be anywhere without them. So. Well, thanks for coming on. Definitely, Vs. Anything in the hopper? We'll see. There's a lot of youth hockey going on these days. So yeah, I know. My life know is very busy. busy. So stuff is coming. I, I had a great conversation with Frank Seratori today. It was just, oh. it was like the funnest 45 minutes of my day. Oh, you jerk. Yep. <laughs> like I said, well, people have said, get the two Seratori brothers on the Ocho on ESPN for the Frozen Four. I might uh, have gotten a commitment from Frank to do a live tweet for one of the semifinal games in St. Paul. So we'll see. All right. All right. Well, that is going to do it for the GPL podcast this week. Um, Got to thank Drew, obviously, for coming on the show again. Well, we are off next week since the following week. The Gophers have a bye, but we'll be back on February 28th when we have Brad Schlossman and Adam Wodan on to kind of give us uh, their views on changing the NCAA regional format. We know how that's gone recently. Uh, for those of you watching live, stay tuned for some overtime. For the rest of you, we'll catch you next week on the GPL Podcast.